It's Good Friday. Don't know if you've ever wondered why it's called Good Friday. You probably have. You've probably heard a whole range of things around why. And I was looking into this a little bit and because, you know, when we look at what happens in the Easter story, when we look at what happens to Jesus, um, how can we say that's good? Now, we're sitting on the right side of it and we know the outcome of it and how it's all landed, so, so there is some goodness in it. And I found out that, you know, over, over the centuries, it's been called Holy Friday, it's been called God's Friday, Long Friday, Great Friday, Friday, and we're landing on Good Friday. And it's often called Good Friday and referred to Good Friday because you, you could say the single greatest act of love humanity has ever known occurred on this day nearly 2,000 years ago. And central on Good Friday is the cross. We're all familiar with this. It's a symbol that's been recognised all around the world for thousands of years. Something that was used for torture and death became a symbol of hope and meaning and life. And many of us have been taught to view the cross in a number of ways. We just pick it up in society, we pick it up by being part of a church family, we pick it up by what we hear and what we're taught. And there's a couple here that I'll just have on the screen. We, we, we potentially know the cross as sacrifice or the crosses of victory or the cross and forgiveness and how they're linked. And as I've just mentioned, the cross is a demonstration of God's love. And on this, like, whenever you've got to speak on Good Friday, like, you, you, you're not saying something that people generally haven't heard before. You know, you're not reinventing the wheel, and sometimes it's good just to tell the story because we need to be reminded of the story. We need to be reminded of the truths, the things that actually happened. And it's, and it's tempting to get bogged down in the details. It's tempting to get bogged down in the arrest and the trial and the execution and all those things are really, really important. But today I just had a sense, I just wanted to lift our eyes a little bit beyond the detail. I wanted to lift our eyes to see the big picture. Where does the cross, where does the death of Jesus fit into the big picture of Scripture? What's going on? And I reckon that the truest reason that Jesus died on Good Friday, the truest reason, it's actually about life. It's about life and we're going to explore that today. And life and love are intertwined and so um, a, a, a life without love is not much of a life at all. So those things are, are really just closely linked. So deep that God's desire is that we would have true life. That's his love for us. And so through the incarnation, through God becoming a human being, the incarnation, the person of Jesus, God in the flesh, he orchestrated things. And the cross was part of that orchestration. He orchestrated things so that we would have life. 
So the mechanism for us to share in God's life was that God chose to share in our life. God entered into his creation as a human being. And he did it with intention. So God chose to enter into his own creation as a human being to experience the fullness of the human experience. He allowed the worst of humanity to be inflicted upon him. The worst of humanity. And what could be worse than humanity, your own creation, wanting you dead? The creation and calling for and actioning the death of their own creator. And Jesus, God in the flesh, willingly enters into this so he can overcome pain and suffering and the ultimate obstacle, death, and he overcomes them so that he can gift us with his very own life. It's this exchange of life, exchange of a dead-ended life for a life eternal. This is what the cross is about. So a question many people have asked across the centuries, so who's responsible for Jesus' death? And maybe the obvious answer is, well, it's the Jewish people. And when we read the Gospel accounts, it's pretty clear the Jews did not want him. The Jewish leaders did not want him around. He threatened them. And so when we read some of the passages, after Jesus had died and rose again, and then we've got this picture in the book of Acts, Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, is taking on the very thing Jesus has said for him to do, and he's just healed this crippled man. Peter, this crippled man, there's been a healing just like Jesus was healing people. And I want you to read, read this with me in Acts chapter 3, verse 12. So Peter saw this opportunity and addressed the crowd. He just healed the man. People of Israel, he said, What's, what is so surprising about this? And why stare at us as though we had made this man walk by our own power or godliness? For it is the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of all our ancestors, who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. This is the same Jesus whom you handed over and rejected before Pilate. Despite Pilate's decision to release him, you rejected this holy, righteous one demanded the release of a murderer. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead and we are witnesses of this fact. So just that little passage, and there's many, many more in Scripture, where we could point at the Jewish nation, the Jewish people, the Jewish leaders and say, you're responsible for the death of Jesus. But who actually inflicted the death? Who gave the order? It was the Roman governor. Rome, the Roman Empire was ruling that area at this point in time. And so we can look at uh, Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor who gave the order. And it says in Luke, But the mob shouted louder and louder, demand to be crucified, and their voices prevailed. So Pilate sentenced Jesus to die as they demanded. So we could look at, is it the Jewish people responsible? Is the Roman people responsible? Is it, is it us? Is it us and our sinfulness and our brokenness? There's a number of ways we could look at this, but I want to suggest another. 
Before I do that, some of what I've just described, some of what Nick has just read, I want to just show a little visual so we can get an idea. So kids particularly, turn your attention to the screen. Let's check this out for a few minutes. The Easter. Jesus' sacrifice. This is Jesus. hey Who is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. While Jesus was on earth, he taught everyone about God's love and healed people from their sickness. He did many miracles like calming storms and even raised people from the dead. The Jewish leaders and teachers did not like what Jesus was doing or how he claimed to be the Son of God. And so they made a plan to arrest him to get rid of him once and for all. Judas, one of Jesus' disciples, agreed to betray Jesus. Come in, come in. And give him over to the religious leaders for some money. Jesus was in a garden praying, and Judas showed the man who Jesus was. Jesus was arrested and taken to the rulers of the land so that they could decide what to do with him. Jesus was presented before the high council and they asked him if he was the Messiah, fear of the Jews. They asked him if he was claiming to be the son of God. You say that I am. And the council was furious and they shouted that Jesus was guilty and he deserves to die. So they took Jesus before the Roman ruler Pilate, and he heard the case against Jesus. Pilate didn't think that Jesus had done anything wrong. Seems okay to me. They found him to be innocent, so Pilate said that he would punish Jesus and then release him. The crowd kept screaming louder and louder, crucify him, we want him dead. And because of the pressure of the crowd, Pilate turned Jesus over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. Jesus was hurt and spit on. His clothes were torn and taken from him, and a crown made out of thorns was put on his head. He was beaten so badly that he could barely stand on his own. And then he was forced to carry his cross so far up a mountain that he needed help because he could not do it on his own. Once Jesus made it to the place where he would be crucified, called the skull, the soldiers around him nailed him to the cross and waited for him to die. While Jesus was hanging on the cross, many people shouted to him, if you really are the Son of God, save yourself from the cross. But Jesus knew he had to die to forgive his people for their sins. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land. Three hours later, Jesus took his last breath and finally died. At that very moment, the curtain in the temple that separated the priests from God's holy place tore in two. A soldier watching the whole thing said, This man truly was the Son of God.
Then a righteous man named Joseph came and placed Jesus' body in a tomb. Three days passed and it seemed that there was no hope. We're going to have to leave it there. Come back Sunday to see the rest. Yeah, it's true that the Jewish leaders, the Romans, played a significant role in putting Jesus to death. That's true. They sinned in what they were doing. And yet it's not the same as saying it's their fault that Jesus died. In fact, I don't think any group of people can, can be at fault for Jesus dying. Let's look, in fact, at what Jesus says himself about this. He actually said that there's no one. It's not the Jews, it's not the Romans, it's, it's not even the devil, it's, it's no one who has the power to make his life. Look at what he says in John chapter 10. He says, The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord and I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from the Father. And Pilate didn't understand this. There's, there's this interchange between Pilate and Jesus where three times Pilate says, I don't find you guilty. I, I, I don't think you deserve to die. But the crowd just kept baying for Jesus' death. And so Pilate's having this conversation with Jesus and, and he basically says, don't you know I have the authority to kill you? And Jesus' response is, well, actually, you don't really have any authority other than what's already been given to you from God. Like the, the authority's not yours. So to paraphrase it, Jesus is saying, Pilate, you're not going to take my life. I'm actually going to choose to give it up. And so the good news is that God so loved the world that he gave as a gift his son. The good news is that Jesus gave his life willingly. He chose to step into the situation that we're talking about today. The cause of Jesus' death is Jesus' love. And because of his love, he made the decision to offer himself to anyone in the world who might believe. And so this decision to offer his life, I reckon there's two ways we can look at this. Firstly, his decision to offer his life is to give it up. It's to surrender to the worst that humanity can bring upon him. And when the worst of humanity was loaded upon him, Jesus had the power to defeat that. To defeat everything that would come against him, including death. But for Jesus to give up his life, there's not only that surrendering of the life, there's also the sharing of his life. And it's a gift. The life he offers is a life of intimacy and connection with God. He wants to offer his life. He wants to say, this life that I have, I want to share it with you. And here's the whole point. The good news on Good Friday is actually found in probably one of the most well-known Bibles that the world knows. John 3, 16 and 17. It's on the screen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, 
but have eternal life. Eternal life is the same kind of life that God shares Father, Son and Spirit. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Good Friday is a celebration of an exchange of life. It's God's love for humanity entering into the very humanity, having the worst that humanity can throw at God himself, overcoming that and then gifting his own life to anyone who would receive that gift. In another translation, this is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son, and this is why, so that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. That whole and lasting life, that eternal life that this is referencing, is the very life of God himself. God entered into our kind of life so that he could gift us with his kind of life. That's why this is a good Friday. That's why we celebrate this. This is why this is the centre of the Christian faith and experience, this life exchange. And it's a beautiful thing. So God wants us to be fully restored to loving relationship with, with him, Father, Son and Spirit. And in order to enjoy that relationship, that intimacy, we need to be capable of not only receiving it but giving it and passing it on as well. And that's where the resurrection fits into the story. We're only halfway through this beautiful Easter story. And so this ability to receive and then to pass on this very life, that's where the resurrection comes in. And we're going to explore that together on Sunday and I'll encourage you to be with us as we do that. Let me pray. So Father God, I thank you for what you have done in history. I thank you for our celebrating today what we're remembering. I thank you for the love you have for us. I thank you that you found a way to not only demonstrate that love but to enable us to receive it and accept it. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your willingness to do what was needed, to give your life, to surrender it, but also to share it. And our only position, our only position on the back of this is to say, thank you. We gratefully accept you offer and in accepting it, our heart's response is that we just want to use the life you have given us, use the life you have blessed us with, use the life that you have freely imparted to us to bring glory and honour to you. So God, would you help us do that? For those of us who need a fresh revelation of what all this means, I pray through your spirit that you would bring revelation, you would bring understanding, you would bring meaning, you would bring life through your spirit. And as we do this together, as we live in this room, may we be a people who demonstrates to the world around us what you're like, 
how you see us, how you love us and what you've done on our behalf. On this Good Friday, Jesus, we thank you and we praise you and we acknowledge you as a loving and holy and giving God. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.